This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. The KL Shakespeare Players are one of the performing arts companies that have been trying their hands at performing in the virtual space. What with the current halt on live performances due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So what they've been doing is a series of online storytelling sessions aimed at children. And what is perhaps most interesting is that they've been working out a way to make these efforts financially sustainable as well. So joining me today to tell us more are performer Lim Sun Hing and storyteller Johnny Gillett from the KL Shakespeare Players. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here. Thank you. you. Great to be here. Yeah. So um, tell me how these online interactive storytelling sessions work. Um, I haven't been able to catch one yet, uh, but what can we expect? Uh, It starts with Johnny telling a story, but Something that is different is that it's interactive. And so I'll turn it over to Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So quite often with these shows, I kick off the program uh, by telling a story, which in some ways is a bit like presenting a animated storybook. So I have stories that I've collected from my travels around the world, all sorts of folk tales. And as a team, what we've done is we've created an animation, uh, which is uh, fitting together with me telling the story live. So I'm in control of the animation and I'm pressing buttons that the audience can't see. And it makes things happen on the screen with some of the characters and I'm telling the story. But then at certain points in the story, I throw it out to the audience and ask them what the character should do or what they should choose to use as a weapon, for instance, in a certain situation. And then we actually tell that part of the story based on whatever the audience has chosen. And sometimes they actually act that out with me as well. So the um, screen will then flip away from the animation to see me. And I'm standing in the room and I will show the audience some actions that they could do to act out the part. And then we go through and the story ends. And it's been a story, a genuine folktale from somewhere else around the world. But it has also been opened up to the audience. So they have a sense of agency within it. They have a sense of being able to participate and uh, you know, form that story on the day, in the moment as well. That, that what, Johnny has, uh, what Johnny did in the storytelling is one part. Then there's yeah, it's only second, the first half. Yeah, yeah there's the second yeah, the half. Second oh, half right. Is, okay. And soon Hang, half. really soon Hang's department. You, you <laughs> talk about that, soon Hang. <laughs> the second half, uh, Ken Lee and I... Uh, tell the story of Macbeth, but this time we we literally act it out. Uh, there, there is no PowerPoint presentation of animated slides. We just tell the story, we act it out. For instance, we would use our hands and then convert the fist into a face, a head, and then into a witch. Uh, and we also have our uh, whatever props that we have used in the past uh, we just kind of pull it into the show and, and use these props. And we tell the story and act it out. So, and of course, it's also interactive in, in some ways, kind of like Johnny's, uh, in that we'll get the kids to, to chant uh, a war cry uh, or we get them to uh, chant with us uh, the, the witches' spells or dance. So they do the movements. So that's interactive from that perspective. And uh, these are all delivered via online um, meeting or, or, you know, video call platforms. Yes. Uh, 
Zoom, uh, yes, correct. Either Zoom or Google Meet. Mm. And um, how did the idea to begin doing this mm. come about in the first place? Yeah, at, at the start, before the the, the MCO uh, came about, I was uh, on the road uh, down to Malacca and then uh, meeting up with some people from uh, JB. And because we were planning for our annual trips to and places outside of Kuala Lumpur. And when suddenly MCO came, uh, we couldn't do it. And we continued discussing and, and said, okay, let's try it out. We, we, didn't, we didn't know exactly what we will come up with. We just said, we will we'll go ahead and do it. And then the group got together and we started talking about how we would do it. And we did a one show and then to kind of test it out. And the feedback was, it worked. The kids loved it. Parents were quite happy. So then we went on with a series of four. But I think one thing to remember, Shamila, is one of the things we wanted to try and do was ensure it was interactive. You know, there's lots of people who during this kind of MCO period have been putting stuff online. And a lot of them has just simply been talking to screen. Lots of actors have started doing book readings, mm. storytellings, and they're all pretty good. I mean, there's some mediocre stuff as well. <laughs> but, you know, everyone, there seemed to be a lot of that. But our one, we wanted to ensure that there was still that relationship with the audience, where there's a sense that in this moment when we're speaking to you through the screen, it won't be like any other time. You know, this is this performance now is the way it is because you are watching it now with us. Right. Um, and that's something we try to work with. Mm. And and it, I mean, I, I suppose that comes from the fact that uh, what the both of you do, whether it's um, whether it's performing Shakespeare, whether it's storytelling live, uh, that interactivity and that back and forth is really important, isn't it? Oh, it's important, yeah. of course. But the, but the, we have to figure out how we could do it over Zoom. Mm-hmm. How do you have interaction? So we really have to figure it out. And for instance, there is a scene in Macbeth, of course, where a murderer takes out Banquo and now he goes looking for Fleons. Mm. So how do you create that scene to become interactive? So because we could see the kids in their in the various little windows in their frames. And we could see where they are. We we kind of say, ah, is Fleon's in your under your table? I'm behind behind that blackboard, <laughs> behind that blackboard, or behind that whiteboard. So but I think we need to also say, Soon Heng, as well that um, what's happening, Shamila, is that the other members of the team, such as myself and we've got June and Zul, we're also on that screen in those little frames, and we have the. Um, cutout of the character that's just disappeared from Soon Heng's frame. So he appears in another one and then appears in another one and appears in another one. The children can see this up on the screen. They're all pointing and saying, he's there, he's there, he's there, as if it's like in an audience Mm. where the character is running through, you know, down the aisle and through the rows and stuff. So we're trying to, you know, recreate some of that fun stuff that you would find in a theater. And, you know, it takes a lot of creativity to start thinking about how we can do it on the screen. And it is also about um, learning to use that that online mm. space uh, as part of it, rather than just as a platform. It then becomes a part of the way that you're you're performing as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, in in an, KL Shakespeare is also involved in corporate training, and we have to figure out how to use. Uh, you know, like in Zoom, you have all the, every. 
actor in a different window and then have to interact with each other, uh, look up or look down so that when the, the audience is looking at you, they can tell that or, or it creates the impression that you are talking to each other. So just to clarify, the entire session is live. It's not a pre-recorded session, is it? Exactly. Correct. So what kind of... Um, I mean, I'm really curious to hear how you prepare for something like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, well, the, the two parts to it, you know, the, the storytelling that I'm doing and then this uh, adaptation of Macbeth, they are, we, we both, we work kind of independently on that because they are two different uh, performances in some ways. Um, and as far as the preparations concerned, I know that for myself, what I do is I look in the story for points where I think there would, there's opportunity for interaction. Um, then I've got to try and think about what's possible with the medium that we have. Um, and quite often it's been that I give the children uh, choices. Um, so I present them a number of possibilities and then they put their fingers up to show whether it's choice number one, choice number two, choice number three. So it's just for me thinking through the complexities of the audience interaction and simplifying it so that it could be something that's going to be clear to the audience what I'm asking them and I can pick up their response in a clear way for myself so that we can move forward in that. But with the Macbeth, I think because one of the biggest things, and Soon Heng will talk more about this, is adapting what they were doing for the theater to be able to be done in a small space in front of a camera, you know, that's going to appear on a screen. That in itself is quite a bit of preparation, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the preparation for both is that, you know, for Johnny's, we spent a, about 60 hours drawing the animation. So that's oh, the part animation of the preparation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, drawing, the uh, illustrating the story, uh, doing the animation, and then putting into the it's a PowerPoint presentation, and then making sure it is not too heavy, so that it will not get all we uh, will not hang during the presentation. But a lot of people are amazed that it's PowerPoint. I have to say that we, the guys <laughs> do a great job, and when we say it's PowerPoint, they go, "What? You can do that with PowerPoint?" Sometimes it's the simplest things, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And for, for Macbeth, I mean, Johnny was telling you how we kind of have to prepare in terms of converting our performances that's live to performing on, on the, in a sense, the laptop, the, st the stage, the size of a laptop. But to, to do that, we have to also make sure that our the camera, the webcam is capturing what we are doing well enough, So which means that we have to light a, 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 our apartment. So we spent about an, a two hours setting up the apartment uh, with uh, black backdrops, blocking out lights, uh, getting uh, a special LED lights to make sure that it works because the webcam is not quite ready to accept any kind of lighting. Mm. And the microphones best. as well. Yeah, uh, it works best with, with daylight, but mm. with artificial light, quite a problem. Right. So those are the preparation too. Um, we don't need to take a quick break, but uh, before we do, how many children are you performing to at a particular time? Uh, the, the largest group we had was close to 40. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I want to pick up on that when we come back. Um, I'm also very curious to know what the response to these shows have been. But um, I am speaking with Lim Sunheng and Johnny Gillett of the KL Shakespeare Players about their online interactive storytelling sessions for children. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. With me today are Lim Sun Heng and Johnny Gillett of the KL Shakespeare Players. And we are talking about their online interactive storytelling sessions for children, something that they've unrolled um, as we all learn to get used to living under the MCO and not attending live performances. Sun Heng, the thing that I wanted to bring up um, was the fact that this is for children, right? And... Um, I'm, I struggle to sit in front of a screen for extended amounts of time to watch something. Um, so when you thought about doing this and, and having children as your primary audience, uh, you know, what, what kind of considerations does that bring up in terms of attention span, in terms of whether this is even something that they would be interested to watch? Yeah, so John, we kind of tapped into Johnny's expertise in storytelling. And because he has a store of stories, we were not concerned about stories. Uh, we were more concerned, okay, how do we get them to look at the screen? And that's, I think that has led to our coming up with illustrations and animation. Uh, we were quite aware that we need to keep things moving at a pretty good pace. But what's surprising, after the very first show that we performed, that the kids understand this platform so well. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, they even know how to interrupt you and draw on your PowerPoint if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, you know, I, I think they're they are born with this knowledge about how to use all these technologies available. Somehow intuitively they've learned it. Mm. So it was not a problem. They were very focused. Johnny, do you see a difference in terms of how they respond um, when it's delivered via an online platform versus live? Um, not, not a big difference apart from there's this one thing I think about the screen. Okay, you know, if kids um, have a TV put on, for instance, it's quite natural to walk away from it and still be watching it. Mm. You know, and when you're in the theater, that doesn't happen. You know, you, you're sitting there and you'd only be leaving really if there was a problem or you need to use the bathroom, right? But uh, it's interesting noticing that some kids, they, they do walk around, but they're still watching and they'll suddenly come back to the point where they're sitting on the beanbag or whatever when something suddenly grabs their attention, especially if there's an interaction that's going on. But, you know, I think we mustn't be threatened or worried about that wandering that's going on because that's the way they do it with TV. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just what happens to the, the, the medium, you know, it's the way they engage with the medium. But you know, I, what I loved seeing is when I watch Soon Heng and Kim Lee give their performance, I can see all the other kids as well. Right. And I'm waiting for the points of high suspense or the funny parts the guys are doing. And I love watching the kids reaction, you know, and you see them. There's the point like in Macbeth where, uh, Macbeth is coming up to murder King Duncan and you can see all the kids sitting on the edge of their seats. And I think there's partly like, is he going to, is he not going to, are we actually going to see that? Is that really <laughs> going to happen here? You know, you can really see the anticipation. And then when something funny happens, it's lovely watching them laughing. And, you know, even though there's, you know, in each of their own spaces, there's only like one or two actual children sitting there. 
But to see the screen alight with laughter is a, is a beautiful thing. Mm. I, 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 actually, what amazed me was, like, like you, Shamila, I thought that this would be a very difficult medium to engage young people for any kind of, you know, a real length of time. You know, we have gone sometimes close to 40 minutes and they're still with us. I, I think these kids are all born with screens in front of their faces from birth. <laughs> Um, and speaking of Macbeth, the stories that you've been telling, and, and they've, they've sort of run the gamut, haven't they? You've done folktales, legends, um, you know, Shakespeare, as you mentioned, mythologies. Um, could you give us some examples of the kinds of stories that you've been telling and, and performing? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, Soon Heng and Ken Lee have pretty much been just going through a an episode of Macbeth with every uh, session that we do because mm. you know that's pretty much an involved story mm-hmm. and breaking that down into bite-sized chunks is quite a challenge in itself uh, but yeah look I, what have we done we, we started off actually with a story that I brought over from England a Cheshire folktale called the dragon of Moston um, and then we we've had stories from Arabian Nights um, we've had a story from uh, Brazilian folklore and what else have we had the um, cheetah the cheetah, yep, from South African, but also oh, we had is an this, original. Um, Kipling, how the cheetah got its um, spots? Uh, no, oh. this is how the cheetah got its stripes. <laughs> oh, how it's got it? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a lot of people don't realize where a cheetah has stripes. <laughs> so it's intriguing and it's titled to begin with. Some people think we got the wrong title. Mm-hmm. Well, now I want <laughs> so, to watch that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a good story, actually. But then Soon Heng actually um, created a story as well. Um, he originally wrote it as a script. And uh, we thought, oh, yeah, well, let's try it out and adapt it to this form. And we've turned it into a story that I can tell as a storyteller. And that's called A Hen Made Tale. Oh. Uh, (laughs) And it's it's, uh, set in Malaysia. And it's about a bunch of chickens that want a day off from laying eggs. (laughs) Okay. Well. (laughs) Very feminist. Very feminist. I know. I I can get the Margaret Atwood reference. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been doing that. And we've got another season coming up. And we're uh, drawing on more of the sort of legends of folktales that I have in my own repertoire. But we are actually working on now doing a series of stories from Sang Kan Chil uh, stories. Mm. And uh, we've been discussing that this morning, actually. And this is quite um, a big project. We're looking now to use all the learning that we have gathered uh, from this whole experience and create a series of stories based on Sang Kan Chil that really draw on uh, Malaysian culture. And uh, you do have a um, a series of shows that are starting this Friday, don't you? What what will you be focusing on for that? Uh, for for this one, Johnny has already come up with a story, and it's called the King's Face. Mm-hmm. That's right, and it's a story from India. Mm-hmm. And and then we'll carry on with uh, our part five of Macbeth. So we we in essence broken Macbeth into eight parts. Because it's way too difficult to tell the story in in in, in, in large chunks, uh, so that's that's the combination. We have a short story with with Johnny, and then a, a part of Macbeth. 
Right. Now, the part that intrigued me the most um, when when I when I heard about this the series that you're doing um, is actually that see there's been a lot of challenges with these online shows for a lot of performers. Um, mainly the question of um, how can they long term be financially sustainable, um, given the fact that performances are still not being allowed. Um, a lot of them have been doing this for free. But you guys have actually been charging for these and actually getting response as well. Um, could you explain what the model is that you're using and how it's been working out for you? I mean, the, the model came about because we had to find a way to differentiate us from other performers. Because anybody can go to YouTube to get a short story, a storytelling session, so we, once we came up with the the the, uh, the differentiator of making it live, then we said, therefore, we will need to charge because we are putting our time into it. It's not just a matter of just sitting there and not and not engaging. So so once we had that, we we started talking to the people who wanted to, the show. Said, okay, we'll charge based on uh, per child that is coming on online to watch. Uh, so. It has not been, interestingly enough, it has not been a problem. Mm. So um, how has the response been? Actually quite good. In fact, uh, after after our run with three different groups, we decided to engage with more schools to give them the opportunity to, to kind of see for themselves and evaluate. So on June 4th, we, we ran a session and we invited people. We had a total of 76 people in one session. And out of the 76, 40 were children and the rest were principals, theater practitioners from overseas, uh, and then teachers, and, and as a result, uh, we are now in discussion as to how to do it for schools, at what time, and, and how many we can accommodate. So yes, it's, it's this is it is. I don't think it's sustainable yet, but it is giving us some kind of income. So I'm curious to know, um, now that you've mentioned that um, these sessions have up to, let's say, 40 children plus uh, other educators and adults that may participate, how does the interactivity work with so many people? How, um, you know, does everyone get the same um, opportunity or level of interaction, I suppose? I, mean, I would say pretty think, much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really like a, any kind of live performance when you're doing to 200 kids, not everybody will will get to participate in, you know, in a sense that you will not call on every kid to come on stage. Mm. So how does, um, do, do people sort of indicate that they want to participate um, or do you, do you choose children to, to participate? How does it work? I think uh, this basically, we can split it down to two levels, two different ways of the participation working. Um, firstly, there is like a general shout out. So it could be, um, okay, which one of these choices do you think the character should make? Mm. Number one, number two, number three. And I'm watching all the little screens to see what numbers are coming up. And some people, if they've got their screen closed, they will type in on the chat as well, which number they're choosing. So I'm watching all of that. So that's you know, a, a sort of broad audience participation. And similar to that would be like when, uh, Soon Heng, Ken Lee, they get the kids to uh, pretend to be trees and they all have to bend themselves in a certain way. You know, every child will probably do that to some degree or another. But when they're actually asking questions, then I think it's 
it tends to be the vocal few, you know, <laughs> as in like, mm. if you say, if you want a specific answer from somebody, um, then yeah, you, you probably find there might be four or five who would, who really want to be part of that. And other people, they just want to watch that. I don't know where you've got the thoughts on that soon, Hank. Yeah, picking up on Johnny's example of the tree. So we got kids to kind of make trees, create, uh, twist their bodies into shapes to create trees. And then because we can see them, we says, oh, look at, and we'll call out the name that we see uh, in that window and say, uh, look at John. Oh, here, what a spooky tree. Oh, he's going to poke me in the eye. Something like that. So you, so you respond and interact that way. Mm. Are you guys having fun doing this? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And, and I think what is great fun also is the adventure that it is in the learning for us, mm. you know, yeah. um, and finding what we can do. And each, I mean, each one of our animations gets more and more adventurous and takes up more and more memory. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's great to see the learning that's happening for us. But, you know, I think also just like with any performance, you know, you spend the time in the preparation then you bring it to the audience. And when the audience responds in such a positive way, it's it's a real lovely feeling. And we're getting that with these performances um, in much the same way we get with the theatre. Uh, this kind of performances brings with it a, a different set of challenges also. And that's those are the things that we have to kind of try, always try to solve and overcome. Mm. And, and, and the challenges are... The technology. The technology. It's always the technology. Yeah. <laughs> so the sound might not be right. And because we're working using uh, the microphones on our laptop, sometimes uh, it will take one voice. But when you've got two voices, it becomes a problem. Or, or that it will not be able to take uh, musical instruments if, there are, if there's a voice. Because it will treat the musical instrument as noise. Mm. So all those kinds of technical issues that we had to kind of, wow resolve each time uh, and so even before we go on air we literally like spend the week testing different things mm. testing different aspects of of the technology the webcam the sound uh, whether when we are moving uh, are we staying within the frame uh, or because sometimes you're so focused on performing that you you don't see you don't see yourself because it's, it's a very tiny camera you know so just to wrap up, um, I'm curious to know um, what the both of you have learned from putting together this series in terms of experiences that you think will add to your idea or changing idea of what performance and storytelling can be. Johnny, you want to start? Mm, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think for me anyway, you know, I've been working in the theatre for a long time, decades and I think I would never really consider much to do with performing on a screen. Um, sure, when I first started, I was considering maybe television, that kind of stuff. But I soon got drawn into the theater and that's where I stayed. So coming into this world has been um, really uh, interesting for me in the fact of thinking, oh, OK, this could work on a screen then. All right. Um, and. I suppose finding this place where on the one hand you are on a screen, so it's a bit like TV, but on the other hand, you're able to make that direct connection with the adult, so with the audience as you would do in the theater. That's an interesting middle ground that I didn't even know could exist. If for me, uh, it's, it's, 
it's a steep learning curve because I'm so used to wanting to look at people in the eye when I'm performing. Mm. And, mm. and because if I look someone in the eye on my laptop, <laughs> my eye is looking somewhere else from their perspective. So I have to keep my eye on the webcam. <laughs> so those are the things that I, I, I find uh, quite challenging. And that because when I'm in, in a theater, I'm using my whole body when I'm performing in front of this little webcam, I, I'm st- stuck in a sense. Sometimes I'm, I'm seated. And so it's very much a chest and above. Uh, and it makes me feel very uh, restricted and confined. Uh, but it's, I think it's a, a, a necessary learning uh, for, for, for actors. Uh, and so if, if the MCO didn't come about, then we would not have had this opportunity to learn. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sun Hing. Thank you, Johnny. You're very welcome. Thank you. I've been speaking with uh, performer Lim Sun Hing and storyteller Johnny Gillett from the KL Shakespeare Players about their online interactive storytelling sessions for children. So they do have upcoming shows with the next one happening uh, this Friday, actually, starting the 19th of June. Um, and you can uh, check out their Facebook page, which is KL Shakespeare Players on Facebook. For more information, you can also email them at productions at klshakespeare.com.my or call 012-2032. Charges differ from show to show, so please get in touch to find out um, what each individual performance will cost. Uh, If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.